In chapter 7 of Shemuel Bet, we discussed David's desire to build the Bet HaMikdash and Natan's initial thinking that, sure, why not? But then Natan quickly gets a, um, gets a Nebuah from Hashem that, uh, uh, no, David cannot build the Bet HaMikdash. Please, please let him know that his son will be the one to build the Bet HaMikdash. The reasoning given here, not exactly clear. It seems like here it's just a matter of timing. Like you're not set, settled enough yet. In Divrayamim, we saw that it was for other. There was another reason that David had blood on his hands. You could combine both of those reasons together, and they make a lot of sense. David's response was gratitude, because in return for David uh, trying to establish God's kingdom in a permanent way, David, uh, God turned to David and promised him that his kingdom would last forever. Now, what does it mean forever? Um, in the Amnon Bazak book, which I read, he explained that, look, obviously it can't mean forever as in consistently because there were, there's a 2,000 year hole in the kingdom and, you know, the kingdom, the kings would die and they would get replaced and things like that. So it means that, that it would be, you know, like that would be the kingdom forever and that Am Yisrael would look to the house of David for the king, kingship so long as Am Yisrael is having a king, right? So it's not a consistent uh, eternal kingdom, but it is an eternal kingdom in the sense that it is, that is the house of, whenever the Mashiach comes, it will come from the house of David, okay? Now in chapter, now that David is not going to build a Beit HaMikdash, and one of the reasons was because he's still engaged in war, now we're actually going to see a lot of these wars that David is engaged in. And chapter eight is, is a chapter that describes David's success in all of his battles and all of the kingdoms that surround, them, that surround Israel that David fought and defeated. And it's going to show those battles and it's going to show how David quickly earned renown, not only within Am Yisrael, but also within all of the nations that surround Israel. And David is becoming like an international figure, a prominent, a prominent force on the world stage. Okay, and that's what this chapter is going to show. Chapter 8. And it was after this, David struck the Pelishtim and he, and he caused them to succumb. And David took the city called Meteg Ha'ama from the Pelishtim. Now what is Meteg Ha'ama? Meteg Ha'ama. It's the name of a city. Now according to the Chachamim, this is another name for the city of? Gat. And that's what it says in Tivri Ayimim. Also, Vaykach David et Gat. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Oh, there is a midrash here, which I will read for you. Metagama um, is like, like something that has to do. It's like a, it's like a tool for cattle. Okay. So there's a midrash that that takes us back. Do you remember in in Sefer Bereshit that Abraham and Yitzchak had a lot of interactions with? A specific king. What was the name of that king? Abimelech, Melech, Pelishtim. Abimelech, the king of the Pelishtim. Uh, both Abraham and Yitzchak had interactions with him. Abraham had one, and Yitzchak also had one. Both they times, and both times they had. They they said that they're it's their sister, and really it was their wife. Mm-hmm. And by the time that Yitzchak did that, Abimelech was like, "What do you mean? Why would you do that? What are, what do you think? What you think we're evil people?" And they, they kind of become friends, but also enemies. Like when Yitzchak becomes too successful, the people of Abimelech, they start closing up his, his, uh, his pits, his uh, wells that he's, built, that he's building. And 
they ended up making a covenant of peace in Bereshit. So now, the Midrash actually refers back to this covenant. Here, if you want to look, look at Bereshit Kaf Vav, chapter 26, verse 20. I can actually look it up on Sephara. What? Are you serious? Okay, could you look up on your phone? Bereshit 26, 28. Okay? So anyways, I'm going to read for you what the Midrash says about this covenant that Yitzchak did with Abimelech. I don't know what it means, but it's just, I find it very interesting that it's being brought. And I want to open it up to discussion. The Pilishtim, they went to Yitzchak and they said, We know that God is going to give you all of these lands. The Pilishtim are saying this. Chapter 26, verse 28. So the Pilishtim go to Yitzchak and they say, We know that your father, your, your descendants are going to conquer all of these lands. Make us a covenant and swear to us that you will not conquer the lands of the Philistines. So Yitzchak made a covenant with the Pilishtim, the Abimelech, that he's not going to conquer their land in the, in the future. He took one ama length of this tool, of this like saddle of the, of the donkey that he was on. And he gave it to the Pilishtim, as like, okay, this is my uh, symbol that I made this covenant with you. He took one, one piece like this of the saddle, whatever that means, okay? And then when David became king, he wanted to conquer the Philistim. So what did he do? And he wasn't allowed to because Yitzhak had made a covenant. So how is David going to conquer the Philistim? So David went... And he stole saddle. this saddle that was the symbol of the covenant. Yeah, covenant's done. And he went and conquered them. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I thought, it's I a thought, symbol. It's not I the... I thought like uh, a covenant like that. I, th- I don't remember where we learned it, but there was like covenants in the past that over like six, seven generations, like it gets like an old. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Um... Covenant between Abraham and Abimelech, they say it lasted like seven generations or something. And by David's time, it was over. I, I heard that too. I, I don't know the exact details. Okay, so the, the Pasuk in, in chapter 26, verse 28, it says, We know that God is with you. The Pilishim say this, Yitzchak. We know that God is with you. Please let us make a covenant between us and between you. And let us make a covenant... Do not do bad to us, just as we, have not, we will not harm you. And we did only did to you good things, so please, and we're sending you off in peace, so please be peaceful with us as well. That's the covenant of Pilishim and Yitzchak. Now, I don't know what the Midrash is trying to say. Clearly, there is an interest, it is an interesting connection that David, multiple generations later, would be considering the fact that Yitzchak had already made a covenant with these people, and he's still worried about fulfilling... The, that oath or that covenant between Yitzhak and the Pilishtim. Why would he be worried? Hashem told us to conquer all of Eretz Kana. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's just an interesting topic that it's, it's brought up. I, I, again, I have no commentary on this other than it's an interesting topic I want to bring to your attention. I don't know what it means, but it's something to think about so that you know, when you come across an answer to it at some point, you'll know. Okay, Pasuk Bet. Vayachet Moav Vayimadidem Machevel Ashkemotam Artsa. 
And then he also struck Moav. So he strikes so far the Pelishim in Gat or Meteg And then he also strikes the Moabites. And he measured them out with a rope. And what he did is he put them all on the floor. And he measured out the rope. And if for every two rope lengths, those people he killed. And then another rope length, those people he kept alive. Right, so let's say there are three people on the ground and the rope is the width of a person. So you'd measure two people alive, two people dead, one person alive. Two people dead, one person alive. Okay? And, and Moab became servants to David and they would bring a tribute to David. Meaning they would offer him tribute, meaning they would like pay him, you know, because he was the stronger king and they, were, uh, they had to show their respects. Okay? Now, why is David doing this? Why is he doing it? Yeah. Why did he do kill his family? So according to the Midrash, which was not in explicitly in Sefer Shmuel Aleph, but according to the Midrash, when David was running away from Shaul, at one point in the book, he actually drops off his family by the king of Moab. Hmm. He drops off his family by the king of Moab, asking for Moab to protect them while he's going and running away from Shaul. Because he can't, his family could be used against him, you know? It's like why CIA agents, they don't tell their family anything because like the family could be used against you, right? So he sent his family off out of Israel to Moab where they would be, be protected. And then he went and he ran off to Gat or somewhere in the Pilishti area, right? Or Tziklag or wherever he went. So according to the Midrash, the king of Moab actually killed his family when he did that. He brought them for protection, but whenever, whenever he left... Moab killed all of them. Why and he would let, he think that Moab wasn't going to do that? Well, according to the Peshat, they didn't, they, honestly. Oh. Okay, but now that we're seeing... But why would you even trust the Moab? Uh, he had no choice. He had no choice, and he had, uh, he had a friendship with the Moabites, or maybe my enemy, my enemy is my friend kind of thing, where David is seen as the enemy of Shaul. So, okay, now, according to the Midrash, because they killed him, because they killed his family, that's why he did this to them. He defeated Moab. And then he measured two rope lengths. He killed all those people. And then basically kind of like a brutal killing of them in a very like mean, scary way, you know, but out of, to punish them for what they did against his family. Okay. Another fascinating Midrash, I don't know exactly what it means and why they say it or what the proofs are to the Midrash, but that's another one to bring to your attention. David also struck Hadad Ezer, the son of Rehov, the king of Tsova, when he went to reestablish his hand or his, his area in, the, in Nehar Pirat. Basically, this king Hadad Ezer was encroaching on Israelite territory. So whenever he went to try to expand his territory, David beat him back and he struck him down and he, and he beat him. While called David Menu, and then David captured from Hadad Ezer, he captured from him Elef Ushvamil Parashim. 1,700 chariots, and 20,000 men, and all the horses, he hamstrung them so that they couldn't run anymore, they couldn't be used in battle anymore. And he left only 100 chariots. Why? Because he did not see a military need for all of these things. And he was going to give them back to the enemy, as the Midrashim say, and the Radak says, all of the people that he captured here, he sold them back for money to Hadad Ezer, that's according to the Radak. And therefore, when he sold back the horses, he didn't want to sell weaponry to the enemy. So he hamstrung the horses so that they could not run anymore. And then he sold them back so they could go use them for whatever. I don't know. Farming. Yeah, farming or something. Okay. Pasuk 5. Then Aram came to, to Damasek 
Uh, sorry, Aram from Damascus came to help Hadad Ezer, the king of Tzobah. Then David struck with him 22,000 men as well. So Aram Damascus, there are a lot of different Arams, by the way. There's Aram Damascus, Aram something, Aram this, Aram that. So Aram Damascus came to help out his friend Hadad Ezer, but he also gets beaten. 22,000 men of his are struck. By the way, if you look, here it says, and David struck them. It seems like he killed them in battle. In the previous Pasuk, when he battled against Hadad Ezer, he captured them. And that's why the Midrashim are saying, or the Perushim are saying, that he captured them in order to sell them back. Because it doesn't say he beat them down and killed them. It said he captured them. So it must have been a tool that he used and then he sold them back. Then David put his own people in Aram Damesek. Then Aram became for David servants who, care, who, who uh, were offering a, a uh, mincha to him. And David was, and God saved and protected David in everything that he did. Then some of the gold that he caught, that he got from Hadad Ezer, these golden shields that he gets in his war from Hadad Ezer, he brings them to Yerushalayim and he makes them Hekdesh for the Beit HaMikdash or for the future Beit HaMikdash and he knows his son is going to build. From two of the cities, from Betach and Berotai, that are cities of Hadad Ezer, David also took a lot of copper that also is probably going to be used in the Beit HaMikdash. So not only is David winning and becoming very wealthy, he's earning renown. We're seeing a lot of nations are bringing tribute to David because they're scared and they, they respect him and they know that he's stronger than them. So they bring tribute as like a form of tax. That's happening. On the other side, David is making a lot of money in the fact that he's, he, has, he has a lot of, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, no, not servants. Or you capture some captives in war that he's selling back for money. Same thing with the horses, he sells them back for money. Now David is wealthy, respected, God is with him, and he's winning all of his battles. And uh, we're going to see that continue. And this is probably going to be like the apex of David's reign. Because in the next, I think, what's well, the next chapter or something? Um, no, in the coming chapters, a couple of chapters, we're going to see... The harder parts of David's life. Not all the successes, but then the difficult parts, which we're going to see later. Baruch Adonai Amen. 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 Amen.